My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast, and I'm joined by my very special guest, Dan Ferrero, my first fully blind individual, and I learned of you from Chad Wollegura, a good friend of ours, and I saw the video of you shooting the your waterfowl. Well, what type of ducks were those? Uh, they were teal. Went into Houston and went down to El Campo and hunted with Chad, and uh, I got four teal. Two of them were in the air. I was uh, kind of shocked. <laughs> I was too, actually. I mean, that is an awesome thing. And yeah, it was great, you, great for me, bad for the ducks. Hey, I'm going down there in September, come hell or high water, so they better be ready for me too. <laughs> I get to talk to Chad in person, and it's going to be fun. Um, He's a good guy. Yeah, he is actually. Uh, now, um, when did you, you, were you legally blind your whole life or? No, actually, I lost my eyesight in February of 2014 in a car accident. Uh, I was driving home from work and woke up about three weeks later in ICU and couldn't see. Uh, were they able to determine what ca- caused it to your vision to be lost? Yeah, so um, they say I have optic neuritis, optic um, traumatic optic neuropathy. Basically, my eyes are fine. My brain is fine. It's just the connection between the two. My optic nerve is is shot. Hmm. So I I can't see a thing. For me, it's like looking at, I don't know, dark gray with kind of a glow. Um, wow. If you're not talking to me, I don't know you're sitting next to me. Oh, dang. So you definitely need something. To, oh, did they offer any type of new surgeries for you that could have fixed it or? No, no. Unfortunately, right now, there's nothing that really fixes the optic nerve. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep checking and I keep looking at different clinical trials in um, Europe and things that are not offered in the United States, but nothing seems promising yet. Hopefully someday. Yeah, I'm hoping for you there. Yeah, thank you. I mean, yeah, I mean, they can do that. They can do just about anything. Yeah. But, you know, with, with, with today's technology, yeah, using a computer is not a problem. Using um, a, a screen reader software like JAWS, um, I've got my iPhone you know, that has voiceover on it. And plus, you know, I'm able to get out and hunt. So life's, that always works. life is good. You bagged any deer since your accident? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Last year, I went to uh, Oklahoma for an archery whitetail hunt. Uh, my organization, Noxies Hunting and Outdoors, we um, bought a tag for a person with a disability. And myself and another guy, um, we were able to go out and archery deer hunt. I have a, um, a Raven crossbow with a scope uh-huh. on it. And I just use my Tacticam camera system with the FTS. And okay. that, that sends the image that I should be seeing uh, to uh, my iPhone and whoever I'm hunting with just tells me up, down, left, right, shoot. Nice. And it works really well. I've done it with uh, elk hunting, uh, buffalo, antelope, um, uh, mule deer here in Arizona. 
And yeah, so I mean, it definitely works. So how does the Raven crossbow hold up in winter? Uh, you know, I, I can't say I've really hunted with it in winter. Um, when I went on that, uh, deer hunt last year in Oklahoma, it was hotter in, uh, Oklahoma than it was here in Phoenix, Arizona that day. And it was uh, over a hundred degrees. What was so, it, September hunt? Yeah, it, it was October, uh, beginning of October. Yeah. So it was, yeah, I've not used it in cold weather yet, but uh, I love my Raven. It works great. Um, the only bad thing I find about it is I pretty much have to change the string before I go on every hunt because it's no got, kidding. It's got it's got so much tension that it stretches out the string, so the speed drops. So I always just make sure I change the string before I go, and the strings aren't expensive. Uh, how much do those run? The strings I think are about. Uh, now you would ask me that. Um, yeah, right. I think it was about forty dollars for the string. It wasn't that expensive. Now, do you put the string on yourself, or do you have it professionally done? No, I have it professionally done. Um, <laughs> I couldn't find a string here in Arizona prior to leaving, so I actually had to stop in Albuquerque um, at Bass Pro Shop uh, on the way to Oklahoma for the hunt, and they tuned up my crossbow for me, and we were on our way. Nice. Yeah, yeah I've known that. Uh, you know, I've been seeing stories about how crossbows can get damaged in winter time due to the cold temperatures, the high tension, and all that. It kind of makes me a little worried, but because I have a X Force Advantage, it's a good lord, Carbon Express, mm -hmm. and it's killed a couple of deer for me. So, yeah, I've, had, I've had I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, I think I've taken four, probably six deer with with my uh, crossbow. Nice. Uh, uh, what's the max range you like getting on it with the crossbow? Yep. I, well, I, I practice, I've practiced with that crossbow out to 80 and 90 yards. So I'm yeah. confident with that. But as far as hunting, yeah. I'd say probably 50, 60, um, you know, depending on the conditions, I might stretch it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I've learned, especially with rifle hunting is, I'm not exactly stealthy anymore moving around uh, yeah. you know, with, with, you know, traveling, you know, hiking somewhere with trying to sneak up on something with my guide and, you know, whoever's going to be telling me where to aim and, you know, my rest and things like that. I'm not stealthy. So I got, I, I have to practice that long shots. Uh, um, so, so far with the rifle, my furthest shot was on a cow elk at 680 yards or excuse me, 685 last year. 685 yard shot dang i know most guys don't go past 300 well i it was funny it was funny my uh my guy didn't tell me how far it was until after we shot oh man that was um, fun well and the other thing is for me i don't get buck fever i don't get like overly excited like a lot of people will because well i can't see the animal for me it's just the same as shooting paper yeah. um until i get up to the animal once the animal's on the ground and I'm petting it, then I get then I get the jitters. I get the I, I get excited. Um, it, it's it's an odd feeling for hunting, yeah. but like I said, that once I'm holding the animal or you know feeling it, feeling the rack, um, you know, patting the side while it's down, you know, whatever. That's when I that's you when feel. it becomes real for me. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely kind of cool in that way. I. 
I'm actually really jealous of uh, everybody that I've talked to so far because they've hunted way more animals than I have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so far, I've only hunted morning dove, waterfowl, and turkey and whitetail. And I've only been successful on, and also squirrel, but I've only been successful on whitetail and one morning dove. Oh, yeah. The, the morning dove are, are a challenge. I used to love bird hunting when I could see. Um, yeah. Now it's definitely a bit more challenging. Um, I miss quail hunting. Uh, I've tried it since I lost my eyesight um, it, with no luck. Mm. So you ain't going to try and try the challenge of um, morning dove hunting area. Oh, no, I've tried it. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I've done it. It's just the spot we were set up in uh, wasn't the best for me. It was very quick shots. You, you couldn't see the birds coming from a distance away. Um, I team up with uh, the Arizona NWTF chapter of the Wheeland Sportsman for a lot of things, and yeah. they, they put on a disabled dove hunt here in Arizona. And just the location where I was set up wasn't that good. But, yeah, the shotgun shells are lighter to carry when they're empty, so it's no big deal. Right. <laughs> um, God, Lord. Trying to think. Uh, have you tried anywhere else uh, with uh, your dove hunting? No. No, I, I haven't had the opportunity. Um, unfortunately, where, I'm, where I live here, the places that I used to go to are now, unfortunately, they're either closing them off uh, for various reasons or building houses there now. So yeah. you can't really go. You can, yeah, that puts a damper on the hunting. Yeah. Uh, but I am I am intending on going out. There's a couple of the dairies out here that have you know, a lot of doves and pigeons. That would be you know fun to get out and shoot. But I just I've not been able to make that happen yet. Well, if you come out to Indiana. During morning dove season, we have sunflower fields on the occasion on oh, nice. reservoir on reservoir ground. Oh, nice! Yep, and that's how I got my first one. I did a draw hunt in September. Actually, I registered for registered for it and got the draw hunt. And my cousin and I went, and that was how I got my first morning dove. And when I mean first, I mean the only morning dove. <laughs> Wait, you 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 have to get drawn for dove hunting? No, it's for like the opening day draw on the res, res on the uh, reservoirs. Oh, so for for to get your spot. Yeah, pretty oh. much. You get uh, you get to pick where you go. You either get drawn for day one or day two. You get to pick where you go on a map. You go out there. You set yourself up, and basically you wait till about four to six o'clock four or five o'clock because around six o'clock you know that's when it's coming out and it's completely an open field in that area it wasn't overcrowded every hunter's aiming the exact same way in the field we're in the sunflower field itself with you know big open sky so we know when to shoot it was beautiful but then you can go later on and that's when my cousin and I, because we went the year prior to, and we weren't realizing what morning dove hunting was on our own. We were just trying to DIY it. Yeah. But with but with this, we learned, yeah, uh, about six o'clock, just have your butt out there by six and wait for the birds to come back from the water. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That of, yeah. Dove hunting was all, it used to be a lot of fun. Every year I used to go for, uh, down to Yuma 
which mm. was a very kind of the hot spot for dove hunting here in Arizona for the longest time. Um, yeah. And I used to go down there every year, and it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, it's kind of weird that Michigan is the only one of the few states that doesn't allow it. Hmm. Well, yeah. it does seem kind of ironic to be hunting the bird of peace, but they taste good, so. Yes, they do, especially in jalapeno poppers. Oh, yeah. Bacon wrapped. Now, you want to tell me about your organization, No Excuse Hunting Outdoors, how that gets started. So I started No Excuse Hunting Outdoors in 2015 um, after losing my eyesight. I was trying to, I was going through physical therapy, trying to figure out how to do things again and also learn how to be blind. And when I got out of the hospital, I found out that I got drawn for uh, bull elk here in Arizona. and. I was kind of disappointed. I, I'm probably the first guy in history who's ever been disappointed being drawn for a bull elk. But I figured, how am I going to hunt? I'm blind. I can't see. Um, and a friend of mine and I, you know, we got together and said, no, you know, we're going to find a way to do this. Mm-hmm. So I tried to f- experimenting with different ways, you know, uh, GoPro cameras, um, uh, two scopes, you know, trying to figure out how to do it. And we went to a gunsmith in Chandler. And while we were there, a hunting guide came in that started telling us about a guy he knew in New Mexico that he took antelope hunting, um, who was blind. And he had a camera system that was pretty much what we were trying to invent. So I got in touch with the guy in New Mexico, and he actually sent me his camera system to try out. Uh, It's from a company called Arrow Solutions um, in... Uh, outside of Dallas, Texas. And so he, I used his camera. He even drove in and showed me how to use it. And we went out and for that hunt and I was able to knock down, or I had an opportunity at an elk, but I didn't make it happen. Um, it was, yeah. One of my scope mounts came loose and I ended up shooting all around this elk. Um, you know, which was completely my fault. I may not be able to see, but I can sure feel my rifle and my scope and optics. And I, I should be able to tell that there's something not right with it. And I, that was my fault. So that first, that first um, hunt wasn't successful, but it was successful in a lot of different ways. It gave me the, it gave me the confidence to be able to, yeah, to get out and do things. Cause when I was first, the first couple of days of that hunt, I just sat in a ranger. I didn't get out. I didn't do anything. You know, I just, I didn't involve myself in my hunt. Yeah. And I, I, I had a kind of a, you know, come to Jesus moment with myself and said, you know what, look, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have fun with it anymore. You know, I got to insert myself. So I started following the guys out when they were glassing and um, trying to pick my way over some rough terrain, things like that. And so I had to learn a whole different skill set. Um, it's a little nerve wracking when you're climbing the side of a, the, uh, kind of the side of a mountain and you can't see where you're stepping. <laughs> it's, 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 it's got some challenges to it. Um, so, you know, after that, everything went great. I, you know, put in for elk again. I got drawn. Uh, I got a, uh, five by six bull. Um, uh, the year later, um, and, I've been hunting ever since. Nice. Does your, uh, your non, uh, just a nonprofit or just an organization? 
Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I got, I, I got sidetracked there. Yeah. So my organization, No Excuse Hunting and Outdoors, it's a 501c3 nonprofit. We focus on helping people with physical and visual disabilities hunt, fish, and do things in the outdoors. Um, we put on, we provide hunts for people when and where we can. Uh, last year, we took three people cow elk hunting in New Mexico, and we, we had donated one hunt uh, to a hunter in Oklahoma for archery deer. Uh, we're going to be doing a muzzleloader hunt this year in nice. Oklahoma. Um, I was hoping for the same cow elk hunt in New Mexico, but they sold the bulk of the tags to somebody else, and uh, I'm not able to get one of those tags. Um, um, so there's always next year, or you can work with other organizations to try and get one. So, well, that that's that's my plan. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to see for people that I know in uh, Colorado and Wyoming that I might be able to get a couple of cow elk tags there. Uh, yeah, and you know, so that, that we can donate and get some people out hunting. Unfortunately, in Arizona, everything is a draw process here, so that's why uh, I have to look to out of states where you can buy tags over the counter um, to supply the hunts. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Right. Well, it's a lot of fun. We also put on a fishing event last, uh, not this year, but uh, last March, uh, yeah. we, uh, for people with disabilities. We had about twenty some people fishing at one of the urban lakes here in town. Uh, donated. Uh, we had help with them for the junior bass masters, um, Matt Shura, who is also a, one of the pro anglers for bass pro shop helped us out. Uh, we were able to donate equipment to the people that attended. Uh, so they'd have fishing equipment to get out and hopefully fish again. Um, yeah. things like that. It was a lot of fun. That's kind of cool. Now you said you were, we, when we were earlier talking before the, podcast uh you were talking about fundraisers what type of fundraisers have you done and what ones are you doing currently so uh we've done fundraisers for you know to, to supply the organization with the hunts and things like that um our last big fundraiser we had a ruger precision 308 um that we were um raising funds with and then this this month for june we try to have one every month uh, June's fundraiser this time is a Savage 6.5 Creedmoor and Scope Combo. Uh, so for that, you know, tickets are, um, it's $10 for one chance, um, six chances for 50, or 15 chances for 100. Hmm. Now, how long is that uh, going on for? Uh, till the end of the month. And the end of June, which I think is what, June 30th? Okay, so by the time this podcast comes out most likely will be already over and you'll probably have a new uh, one set up and ready to go. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm already, I'm trying to figure out what the best product will be for next month, but. <laughs> so no but, spoilers on my end, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but yeah, every, every month we have something. Um, and it's just to keep, uh, you know, the organization going, paying for the web, web developer and paying for hunts, thankfully, you know, low overhead, uh, things yeah. like that. It helps when you you learn things on your own first, and then start paying for it later, right? Yes, yes, and well, also, yeah, a lot of the items that I have um, are items that I've won at other banquets or fundraisers, and mm. I I donate them to No Excuse Hunting, and that's where we get the money from. 
That's actually kind of cool. Uh, not kind of. That actually is very cool. Well, one of the other things I also do with the with the company or with the organization, excuse me, is a lot of companies give me allow me to purchase items at a discount. So I have agreements with um, Outdoor Edge, um, Badlands Packs, uh, Canyon Coolers, Tacticam, Sig Sauer, um, Zeiss Vortex. Um, Fox Pro, and I'm, I think I'm forgetting somebody off the top of my head, but so if somebody's looking for some gear, um, they can send me an email and tell me what they're looking for. I can get a price and it'll typically beat any price, but the good news is the, the proceeds all go straight into no excuse hunting. That's cool, actually. Now, how did you get a hold of these guys? Uh, they're the sponsors, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, honestly, I just called them. And said, this is, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. Um, this is, you know, who we're trying to help. You know, do you have any discounts or anything like that? And I was able to, um, I was, I was able to secure those discounts. Nice. Now, did anybody offer any sponsorships or anything like that other than the discounts? Uh, no, no, I, I don't get any, I don't get any sponsorships or any free gear from anybody. Um, you know, sometimes if I call and say, I have a, I have a specific hunter with something, um, I have had something, some things donated in the past, uh, uh, but th that, but that's kind of few and far between. Okay. So pretty much through the auctions and donations of gear, that's how you keep your organization up and running. Or do you, do you have donors that actually donate money more? It's pretty much, it's pretty much through the fundraising efforts. Um, I don't run things off of uh, a membership basis, mm. so I'll get people from you know different states that uh, know of the organization. They'll say, "Hey, I'm trying to get out and hunt and do this. Uh, I need this piece of equipment. You know, who do you know that can help me?" And if my organization is not one that can help, I will try and find an organization that's better suited for it. Mm. Um, one of the things I've learned that I was kind of actually surprised about was that. A lot of organizations don't work together. You know, I, they don't share information. They don't, you know, try and help each other out. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that puts things more about the organization than the people that were trying to help. Yeah. So there are some organizations I team up with and sh really share a lot of information with. Others don't give me the time of day. Um, and that's fine. Well, I know a few organizations that do the uh, helping other organizations out. They like branching out because mm -hmm. obviously they know they can't do it. Uh, Scott Evans, Scott and Mark Evans of Hunters for Life, they uh, they uh, definitely do some uh, organizations outside. Mm -hmm. Their uh, operations, like they, if they can't do it because they're in uh, Michigan, they're in the peninsula. Scott lives up in the Uper, as he calls it, the Upper Peninsula, and his dad lives down the mitten. And so he, uh, you know, he has to do some things. And if they can't achieve it in Michigan, which they have a lot of stuff they can do in Michigan and they can travel on the occasion. But if they can't do it, they'll actually go to other organizations to do it for them. Mm -hmm. it, it, it works better if groups 
work together. But the reason that a lot of groups don't like to do that is they don't want to possibly give up somebody else as a funding source. Um, so, you know, that, I understand everybody's got to protect their organization, but at the same time, I think, you know, you got to reach out and help other people. So when I know of good organizations, like on my website, no excuse hunting.com, I list yeah. some good, good organizations that are out there. Um, if somebody, you know, doesn't support my organization, by all means support another one. Um, you know, one of the things that I talk about with my organization since with people with physical and visual disabilities is, you know, not everybody's born with a disability. Um, yeah. You know, mo- most disabilities are actually acquired, you know, throughout life, mishaps, whatever. Um, you know, like me, I wasn't born blind. I went blind in a car accident, which yeah. could have been a whole lot worse. And, you know, a lot of people, motorcycle accidents, diving accidents, uh, you know, different things, uh, strokes, heart attacks. So I, and I, I don't want people to give up on going hunting or not even so much hunting, just doing things in the outdoors uh, because they have a disability or the perception that they can't do something because they have a disability. Like when I was going through my training on how to be, you know, how to learn being blind, how to live being blind. um, I went on that elk hunt. I was still going through physical therapy, trying to help, you know, make sure I could keep walking. Um, but I went on the elk hunt and, you know, when I came back, you're like, well, wait a minute, you're blind. I'm blind. You went hunting. How can I do something like that? How can I do this? How can-? I'm like, well, why can't you do that? You just got to figure out how. So that's kind of what really started. No excuse hunting. Um, there's really no excuse to get out and do what you want to do. If you, if you want to do it. I mean, there's, yeah. there's ways of doing it. It's not the same, but you can still do it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I've seen, uh, Obviously, we know Chad and his organization, Able Outdoors. Mm-hmm. I, I know a guy with uh, spinal bifida, uh, Shannon Gortman. He actually has anyone can outdoors for his small organization. So Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Hey, if you get a chance, send me his information. I'd like to reach out to him. Oh, I will, actually. You'll definitely be getting that. <laughs> and uh, they're friend- he's friends with the Hunters for Life guys. Like I said, uh, Scott, he's actually the one legally blind. So, great guy. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, good lord. What? There we go. I think I got to backtrack a little bit because I think I just lost my. Oh, yeah. Now I remember what I was going to say. <laughs> now, do you have, is this the organization your primary job or do you have other jobs? No, actually, um, I, this is just kind of a side passion of mine, uh, the organization. As my employment, I work for Boston Scientific uh, in their technical services for cardiac devices. I, when I lost my eyesight, I was a pacemaker representative. I used to help implant pacemakers and check them in doctor's offices and um, hospitals, places like that. But nobody wants a blind guy you know, checking their pacemaker or helping implant one. So I went to tech services. Thankfully they stuck by me and offered me a position in tech services. And with modern technology, I'm, I'm able to do it. That is cool. Do you see yourself eventually leaving your job and going full time with the side gig? 
No, no, I, I, I like the job. I like what I do. I, I loved checking pacemakers, um, you know, talk, talking to the patients, um, showing them about their device, telling them about their device, easing their fears or anxieties about the device that they have in them. And I miss the patient contact, but doing it over the phone, talking to people, much of it's still the same. Um, you know, giving them confidence in their device, explaining things because you know, doctors a lot of times don't have time to do that in a clinical setting or especially when somebody's getting their their device implanted. Uh, so I, I take a lot of those phone calls and talk to people. Oh, that's cool. That is actually that makes it. Dear good Lord, I am having one fun day today. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, you know, it, it, it's not what it's not what I originally started doing, but. Again, it's with my theme. You can still do things. You just got to do it differently. And I'm still doing kind of the same thing, just on the phone. You're adapting to the occasion and just getting it done. Yeah. You know, I mean, for somebody with a disability, you've got to adapt to the world. The world's not going to adapt to you. You've got to find a way to make it work for you. Um, And if you don't, well, you can sit on the couch and watch TV. That's not me. Yeah. I, uh, my grandfather told me a story when I was a kid cause I was born with bilateral club feet. So mm-hmm. I couldn't walk properly. And when I, I had surgery, I really couldn't walk. So I uh, was in braces or casts and I was climbing up and down stairwells as a small child, as a one-year-old. <laughs> so I've been adapting and having no excuse for my actions since I was a small child. Yeah, it's, it, I think I think a lot of it's also maybe a little bit. How can I phrase this? I think maybe a little bit. Some of it's a little bit different because you grew up that way. That's life as you know it. Yeah. Like for me and some people later in life that have something happen, you know, it's like it's a it's a definite shock to the system. Yeah, um, it def- yeah, it definitely can showcase that through when I had my triple orthodesis fusions as mm-hmm. an adult on my feet, basically they were going to limit the left, right motion on my feet. I can't move my feet anyways. So when they said that, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and like we were talking earlier, you know, life goes on. Yeah. And it is very unique dichotomy. And I think I'm using the word, right. Uh, I hope forgot I'm using the word, right. <laughs> Sounds right to me. Yeah, right. A unique dichotomy between uh, being born with a disability and getting a disability. Mm-hmm. and But then in the end, they still have the same end goal, and that's just to overcome the odds that you have and just move forward. And then eventually it just becomes second nature to you, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, for me, one of the biggest things in the outdoor world that I – struggle with and I admit I still struggle with it today. I used to be very independent. I used to love to jump on the truck and just go fishing for a day, sleep in the back of the truck, come home. I uh, you know I loved it. My wife hated it, but you know, I, I it it was it was me. You know, and when I went hunting when I could see, I did the majority of the scouting and choosing the zones or the the hunt units to put in for um when I'm hunting with my friends. Now now I can't do that. I have to 
rely on a hunting guide. Um, yeah. So, you know, my costs for hunting have, have, uh, have gone up, but you know, I've got good people around me that help. I've got good friends. I've got good, um, you know, support. And, you know, I think without them and without that in place, you know, maybe my outlook would be a lot different. Yeah. But, you know, and also just, just to clarify, I don't benefit from no excuse hunting, you know, the fundraising. Um, I don't benefit from any of that at all. My hunts come strictly out of, out of my, my paycheck, my pocket, all the funds raised by no excuse hunting go for other people. Now, with your uh, organization, No Excuse Hunt, you said you help blind and physically disabled individuals. Yes, sir. What's the, uh, what is the line in the sand for what would you would classify for dis- disabled people that you would help? It varies. Um, most of it re- resolves around mobility impairment, I would say. kind of moves a little bit depending on the person. Yeah. So m- most, a lot of people that we've helped, um, you know, one guy was a, uh, above the knee bilateral amp- amputees from an IED in Afghanistan. Um, the guy that we took on the elk hunt in New Mexico last year uh, was shot in the, in the, I think the right temple um, wow. by a, by a sniper. Um, so, you know, he had his resulting issues from that. Um, but typically it's visual or physical disabilities that impair mov- mo- um, mobility. And yeah. Well, uh, so pretty much you probably wouldn't be bringing me along unless I'd be volunteering, <laughs> which it wouldn't really matter for me. Well, I mean, you, you, still, you still have your difficulties getting around. Obviously you can't walk as far. Um, well, you know, the good news is there's a lot of States that have programs for people like us. Yeah. Like they, they can, even though I'm blind, I can't see, I can walk. Um, but they consider me mobility impaired because I can't walk by myself and, you know, they, I, I could trip over a stick and get hurt. So, you know, there's a lot of states that you can go further off road uh, yeah. in a vehicle. Arizona is a great state for helping people with disabilities. Well, give me a flat terrain and I'll walk for a while. Just mm-hmm. I give me a walking stick or something because it's I like I said before the podcast, my feet hurt after sprinting and long runs. Climbing up and down terrain is the real kicker. Uh-huh. Because yeah. I, mean, I, imagine you know, I imagine you also have some probably some balance issues. Yeah, actually, I do. Yeah. <laughs> but if someone said, "Hey, you want to go f- uh, hunt a mountain goat?" My butt would be up that mountain praying to God if I don't fall over. Oh yeah. I, I put in for bighorn sheep here in Arizona too. So it's like, you know, if I get drawn, I'll worry about how I'm going to do it after I get the tag. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to crawl up on all fours. You guys just keep my watch, make sure I don't fall over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty much how I would do it too. Cause I have to have, or I'd be using those trekking poles and walking up. My yeah. feet would be killing killed afterwards because I've got uh, bone spur sticking out on one of my, uh, uh, joints in my joints. So when it connects, it hits like the nerve ending. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a fun one too, but don't count me out. I was like, I might be physically, uh, hurting. I'll still keep on going. When we get back to base camp though, for the night, I'm not getting up. Somebody's going to have to get me my meal. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I definitely understand that. <laughs> some, some, you know, some days I get back to camp or the trailer and I'm done too. Yeah, it's like, uh, start trying, I, I, start, I start looking for a cold beverage and yeah. Warm food, but sit by the fire for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll be, I'll be sitting down, but like, Hey, you know, I'll be like, can I borrow somebody to pick me up so I can walk to my ch- uh, tent to lay down? <laughs> yes, sir. Now, what, speaking of sitting by the fire and stuff, that's another reason why I started uh, the organization. A lot of people with disabilities don't get out and do things. And I think missing out at sitting around a campfire, giving each other a hard time for everything from missing a shot, forgetting your toilet paper, you know, whatever. I, I, I think that's part of the experience. The and there's there's, a, there's definitely a, a, a camaraderie there. Um, yeah, I, I think the actual harvesting of an animal is, you know, secondary. It's more about getting out and doing th- things, uh, building the confidence in yourself and, and just enjoying other people. That's the fun part. Yeah. I know that I, when I got into the outdoors community through my father-in-law, I got bit with the bug and then my cousin introduced me to waterfowl and it was a completely different <laughs> setting because with my father-in-law it was quiet, quiet, quiet with waterfowl. It's, Hey, you see the ducks over there. All right, get down, rip, bam, bam, mm-hmm. BS some more. And that's what I like about having a multifaceted hunting, not just, you know, being able to go out with a group of guys and doing it versus or fishing even versus, you know, just sitting by yourself being lonely half the time. Exactly. Self-contemplation in the blind. Yeah, I get it. Although my cousin and I, we go hunting together and I've helped him out, you know, talk to him because, you know, he wants to go deer hunting and I can go deer hunting. And we sit there and we BS real quietly and then a deer shows up. So that's always that works well for me too i mean i like going out and hunting with multiple people even if it's deer hunting now that super super quiet mode just doesn't do me any much so yeah it's one thing i learned is that if i'm sitting i i've sat a couple times in a blind we sat one one day all day by a water hole elk hunting and it was the most boring thing i've ever done because i can't see i can't look out to see a little Tweety bird going by or, you know, just see what's going on for me. I'm sitting in the dark and with no talking and being quiet, it drove me nuts. So I, I, I have to listen to a book because otherwise I just start falling asleep. Uh, yeah. My wife who went, go went hunting with me on the occasion and my cousin both caught me snoring in the blind. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Oh, they may definitely know you're there. (laughs) So be it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'd rather be I like when the one day I went for my bowl my uh, not my bowl my buck this past year I was out for 15 minutes Ooh. it had just rained and I was out for 15 minutes he showed up boom okay <laughs> <laughs> we're done time to go pretty much he only went 20 yards so that was a fun one so do, do you have anything on your bucket list for getting out and hunting? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty big list so far. I've got a bull, bull elk or elk in general, caribou, uh, mountain goat, moose, 
the usual big games. Mm-hmm. I would love to go for uh, pronghorn though. Those are yeah, you know, pronghorn hunting is kind of fun. When I I flew into uh, Albuquerque, uh, I I bought a hunt and flew by myself from Phoenix to Albuquerque. And that's kind of a funny story in itself. A friend of mine was supposed to go with me, but he backed out at the last minute. Um, so I had to, I had to scramble for an, uh, a, a flight to get there. And when I was, when I was in the, um, airport, uh, I called my mom and said, Hey mom, I'm going to, I'm going to Albuquerque hunting. And she goes, oh, aren't you driving? She goes, nah, I'm at the airport. You couldn't go. And my mom was kind of flipping out. I guess, you know, moms are always moms no matter what. Right. Yeah. Um, so I said, okay, mom, look, I promise I'll call you as soon as I get to Albuquerque. And so I, I got on the plane, flew there. When I got off the plane, I met my hunting guide. He picked me up at the airport, no problem. I got my rifle through um, through baggage. And then um, I uh, called my mom and said, hey, mom, you know, um, I, I got on the wrong flight. I'm in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she was. Uh, yeah, I, I had to pull the phone away from my ear when I told oh, her. Oh, wow. She was, oh, she was mad. That would, yeah, I can imagine. <clears throat> that would definitely uh, send some people out. Mm. <laughs> so, but I, on that hunt, it was it was great. I was on a, a ranch that I guess was started. Uh, one the house for the ranch was actually an old U.S. Calvary. This was um, in uh, oh, I can't remember the Corona, New Mexico, um, and it was an old. Adobe's house that was used as um, a cavalry station um, in the area. So it, that, there was a lot of history there. And But when I went hunting with the guide, I, I told the guide, I said, okay, here, here's my camera system. Here's how, you know, when you're looking at the viewer, um, don't keep looking, just continue to look at the viewer when you're telling me to get on target. And don't keep looking up and down from the viewer to the animal because it'll, it'll throw you off. It'll be much more difficult. And then just tell me left, right, up, down, left, a hair, right, a hair, whatever. until I get on target and then, you know, tell me to shoot. So we did it. And, uh, when I, sh- uh, there was a, a pronghorn that was out there at 200 yards and he got me on it and told me to fire. So I did. And he looked up from the, with the recoil from my rifle, he lost the view of the animal in the viewer. So yeah. he started looking around for it. He goes, where'd it go? It couldn't have ran that far. Did it go over the hill? Was there a ravine back there? I didn't see. And he was going out like this for a couple minutes. And finally I said, well, is it laying where it was standing? And he put his binoculars up and he goes, yep, he's right there. So I, <laughs> I, I, I essentially just folded up that antelope. Um, nice. But it was just kind of funny. That's, yeah, that is, I think, ultimately one of my dream hunts. I think I I would love to go on because they're just a, such a unique animal. There's no other animal in their genus oh, an, anywhere in the entire world. Oh, they're beautiful animals. Oh, yeah, they are. And they have, they if you get them the wrong time, their uh, horns will fall off. <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what's funny for me is I, I get, um, most of the animals I have, I, I get most of them mounted. Um, and my wife is like, well, why do you keep getting everything mounted? I'm like, because I can't look at a picture. So I'm, I, I frequently go by and 
pet the animals on my wall. My <laughs> wife hates She literally hates that because to her, she's seeing an animal that w- was alive and now is dead. And she thinks I'm messed up when I just decide to mess with her by petting the deer and, you know, playing, you know, good boy, good boy or something. And she's just like, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. You, like, usually I just do them. I, I, I get the heads mounted anyway, but, uh, and then I got to find a place to put them. But, yeah. you know, my wife drew the line of putting the, the bison head over the bed. <laughs> the, yeah. She, she, she drew the line at that. And I said, okay, well, you know, pick your I, battles. I had a previous guest. He, uh, Ryan Bodwin or AKA Ryan off the grid. He, so you can look him up. Uh, he had went to Africa and mm-hmm. he has an entire African room in his house. And he has one black antelope in there. Mm. And I, I saw the picture of that dang thing. And I'm thinking to myself, I want one too. Yeah, I hear they're all beautiful animals. You know, oh, they are. Do you see yourself trying to go over there? You know, I think about it once in a while. Um, but I th- I don't know. I, if I did, it would have to be with a group. Um, yeah. Because I, I think not being able to see and being a completely foreign country like that, I, I, I might be, a, I would be nervous. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind going to Canada on a moose hunt. I don't think I'd think about that, but honestly, even traveling down to Mexico right now, gives me the heebie jeebies. So yeah, I, I no. I, as of now, no, I don't see myself going over there. Would I like to at some point? Maybe, but I, I don't, I kind of want to focus on, you know, hunting things here that are kind of normal to hunt. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've got my, my bucket list of things, you know, moose. Uh, I'd like to go bear hunting. Uh, I'd like to get a, you know, a black bear. Um, I, yeah. uh, I want to get one of those, um, what like, uh, the, the Sika deer that's in Maryland. Yeah. That's the like ones a, with the small, tiny antlers. Yeah. That's kind of more like a mini elk. Yeah. Um, I'd really like to get one of those. And then, um, an axis deer, uh, in Texas or in Hawaii. Uh, things like that. I mean, I've gone hog hunting. That's fun. Um, so yeah, but yeah, pretty much going, you know, for really exotic animals. Not really. If, well, I guess if, if you could bring the meat home with you from Africa, um, that would be one thing, but pretty much you get to eat a little bit of it that night and the rest of it goes to the village, which is a good yeah. thing, but I'm, I'm not a trophy hunter. Yeah. Well, the good news is with Af- some African animals uh, or Indian in this case, you want to get for a uh, Indian antelope. It's called a Neil guy. Oh yeah, that, that's another thing. What I want to hunt. I've heard about those. I've actually seen pictures of them. What I could see yeah. uh, in Texas, and yeah, those yeah. things are huge. And I, I hear they're very tasty. Yeah. So that's why I definitely want to get. That's one of the things I want to get, but. Yeah, I've been looking online for some of the hunts in Texas, and they get a little proud of them hunts. Um, yeah. It, mm. So definitely got to know somebody there. Yes. <laughs> but I heard something about the Neil guy is, and I've seen it on video, is you have to shoot them twice. 
toys to try and bring them down because they're fat and their hide is so thick that the bullet will pass through, but it'll seal itself right back up Mm. and they'll run off and you'll never find them again Mm. because obviously no blood trail. Right. And they don't recommend a headshot from what I've heard. So, well, I guess, I, I guess I'll worry about that if I ever get a chance to get out and hunt one. Yep. Well, that's what I'm going to be thinking about too. <laughs> I want to, I'd like to go to Hawaii uh, and do a, do a combination trip, vacation trip for my wife, but then yep. have me sneak off and, um, you know, be able to get an access deer. Yep. Um, years ago, I went to uh, Hawaii for a friend's wedding and they had access deer all over the golf course. Um, I mean, we were driving around and you could just see the access deer on the side of the road. And I'm like, I got to come back here. But haven't yeah. yet. Yeah. Well, the, t- the hunting trip for this September will be a family sl- vacation slash thing. And the wife wants to do some stuff while we're down there. So I'm going to try and do that as well. So Down where? Uh, Texas. We're going down yeah. to near El Campo, Texas with yeah. Uh, Chad. So. Yeah. yeah you'll, so, you'll, you'll have fun down there. I, I enjoyed hunting with Chad. His cousin... Chance was the one that was uh, guiding me in on the ducks, talking yeah. me in on it, um, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. So that's going to be fun, and uh, I hope that we get to meet up sometime in the near future. That's going to be something yes, sir. good. I look forward to it. Yeah, right. Especially since we can contact each other and everything. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, do you want to do any plugs? Because uh, Please, yeah. your social media. So yeah, I, I, I've got, my, uh, sure. I, I've got my, uh, no excuse hunting. Um, at, it's no excuse hunting outdoors. I kind of shorten it mostly to no excuse hunting, but it's uh com. And then I'm also on Facebook, no excuse hunting. Um, unfortunately, Facebook has been, shall we say challenging for me as of late. So, um, yeah, that's enough about Facebook. Uh, but if you want to contact me, um, by all means, and my phone number is 480-650-5878. And my email address is dan at noexcusehunting.com. Um, yep. You can feel free to check out the website, see stories um, that people post about you know hunting, fishing, or just doing things with disabilities. Uh, every year we have a contest and uh, pick you know the best winners out of that. All right. Well, thank you, Dan, for coming on and Please, sharing your story. And uh, I hope to be doing something uh, something with you in the near future. Uh, and well, remember, stay adaptive.